You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. And welcome into Socks in the Basement. My name is Chris Lanuti, bellying up to my nine-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. Socks in the Basement brought to you proudly, as always, by Family Waterproofing Solutions. You see their phone number, their details right on the label for Socks in the Basement on whatever podcast player you're using. If on there is the phone number and also the website, famws.com. Reach out to them if you have any foundational issues or if you just need an estimate on some work you need to get done from a window well to a sump pump to some massive thing. They can come out in person, look at pictures, do it by video, whatever you feel most comfortable with. I had them in my home. They were super safe about the entire thing. No pressure estimate. Great friends of the show, big White Sox fans, and a portion of the proceeds go to veteran and first responder organizations, famws.com. So the last episode, we sat back, we talked with James Fox. We went over the acquisitions that the White Sox made and what it meant for this team. And a little bit more has come out over the last couple of days. Uh, the show before that on Saturday, I had a good friend of mine in, in to talk about Len Casper. Uh, his name's Ed Siebert. He was on. He was a former program director of mine. We talked a little bit about the impact media-wise. And when we got off the air and we talked a little bit, uh, you know, Ed's a huge Sox fan. I've known him now for decades. And I was like, you know, why don't you come back on the show? Like, would you mind hanging out and chatting with me at least for a little while, like on the weekends or something? Because it's getting boring, Ed, sitting down here because my partner lost his mind, ran off, and joined some sort of cult where they do chants or incantations trying to reverse time, get rid of The Last Jedi, and and also get rid of Tony LaRusso. How are you, buddy? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm good. I'm just dealing with a crazy person. I saw him this past weekend. He, he'll he hang out. He'll talk about anything. Uh, if you mention the White Sox, he starts screaming and puts his fingers in his ears. So I don't think that's a normal reaction. And uh, I, I don't I don't know when he'll ever sit down here with me again. So that's why I'm like, I want to sit with uh, with Ed and hang out. Yeah, well, I, I, I will say this. Sticking your fingers in your ears and screaming about the White Sox has been a normal reaction for periods <laughs> of time in the team's history. Not this year necessarily, though. Yeah, well, you know, you've you've met Dave. You know what I'm dealing with. So, uh, well, yes, I've, I've, we've met. We've met you and Dave. You, you and Dave had a few beers. You, you you know what I'm talking about. All right, so so the Sox go out. They make the moves that they make at the beginning of these virtual winter meetings. And the take that I had from it, and I had it on the last show. Go back and listen to it. James Fox kind of broke it down. Our insider. And then the take I kind of put out on the internet, I put out something on Twitter, I think a day or so after as it continued to sink in, is that the White Sox have indicated there is definitely a budget. It is a strict budget. And the talk that we heard about they're going to go out and spend and take advantage of the market and go kick everybody's butt in 2021 and beyond is not happening. They're going to be a small budget team. They're going to be about what they were last year. If you take... The guys that they let go of into arbitration, the guys that they non-tendered, the guys that they waived, uh, the guys that they traded away when you count Dane Dunning, and you put all those salaries together and what they were expected to make in 2021, you haven't spent all that money yet on the two guys that you acquired in Lance Lynn and uh, and, and now Adam Eaton back on the team. 
So it's, it's in reality, you're not spending any money. You're just redistributing the money. And I put that out there and got a very visceral reaction from people. Some of whom were just like, this team sucks. I hate Jerry screaming, yelling. And then other people that were angry at me for just pointing that out because they thought it was too negative. Do you think that's negative for me to point that out? I think that's fact. No, I, I don't think it's negative at all to point out the fact that they are not going out in the market, at least not yet, right? We haven't seen George Springer, Trevor Bauer, Michael Brantley. We haven't seen them spend money on a premium free agent or a bigger name or somebody that's going to command a big multi-year deal. They made a trade. Everybody expected them to trade for Lance Lynn last year at the deadline. They expected that they were going to try and acquire him again this year, partially because he's cheap, partially because he's pretty good the past couple of seasons. I mean, he's good, right? I mean, he's, he's he's, I don't think that he's a cheap out move. And I don't mind the Eaton move if you look at Eaton as a baseball player. The only thing I've questioned is, who is Adam Eaton as a person after the stuff that he went through the first time? Like, that that's what my issue is with Adam Eaton. It's not, it's not his baseball acumen. That's it's not that an he had ongoing a, yeah, issue. Yeah. I mean, it's not that he had an off time uh, or an off season and a shortened season. There's a lot of weird statistics that came out of the, the short season. It was only two months long. There's a lot of strange oddities that occurred in it. There were a lot of pitchers that got injured. There's a lot of players that never got going. There are guys that are late starters who never started because they couldn't get started. It, it was a strange year for everybody. So an off year last year, that doesn't concern me. And yeah, he's got a little bit of decline, but I was mostly worried about his personality and his issues in the clubhouse. Overall, though, they're they're good additions because they make your team better in 2021 than it was the year before, right? Well, yeah. So back to your point about is the fact that they've gone two cheap players so far a negative thing? The question is, is are they better with Lance Lynn as their number three starter going into a playoff series, going into the season? The answer is unequivocally yes, because we watched Dunning and Cease, you know, struggle to try and get themselves into some sort of a workable rhythm day in and day out and some sort of consistency. They never did it right. They never really quite got to that level where you're like, all right, I know what I'm getting this time out from this particular pitcher. And Lynn's pretty consistent, if nothing else. Um you know, my biggest worry with Lance Lynn is once upon a time, the White Sox traded for a fat pitcher with number one upside, and it was David Wells, and it failed spectacularly. <laughs> I don't think he's David Wells. They also traded for a power righty that, uh, you know, tends to sweat a lot on the mound, and that was Freddie Garcia, and we won a World Series with him. So, you know, the Lance Lynn thing, I think his salary is just a benefit of that trade, the fact that he's cheap. Adam Eaton, yeah, shut up and play ball. We're good. If he thinks he's going to come in and take the clubhouse over and he's going to be a guy that is going to impact how these young players come up through the system and, and all, uh, no, we don't, we don't need that. We have team leaders. This team has its own identity and personality. It does not need Adam Eaton's personality influence placed upon it. He just needs to go out there and hit at his career levels and play a good right field, maybe start a triple play again. That was cool. I remember him doing that. Um, you know, do some damage on the base paths and basically not be Nomar Mazzara or make us rely on Adam Engel and Larry Garcia for the entire season. Right. I mean, that's all I want from him. But and, and it's the thing. So overall, as a baseball move, he doesn't bother me. Like there's a you know, it's weird because it, it's also we couldn't afford Michael Brantley. He wasn't going to fetch a ton of money. So that shows a very strict amount of money that Rick Hahn is working with. And that, I think, is the the thing that scares Sox fans the most and has caused 
some of the, yeah, I don't know, the ire that I'm seeing now out floating around in the, in the, in the White Sox universe. So I was taking a look on baseball prospectus about the White Sox payroll over the years. And I, and I brought up their you know, beginning of the year and end of the year payrolls, according to baseball prospectus, ever since the year 2000. And the Sox have generally, with the exception of a couple of years right at the beginning of this century, sat right in the middle, 13th, 14th, have a couple of years where they're 11th or 12th in, in Major League Baseball. That's what they were. When they won the World Series and they were getting sellouts, they were top five payroll to start the year in 06, 07, and 08 and finished in the top 10, but a little bit lower down in those years because they weren't taking on extra payroll because, let's be honest, they, they, didn't, they didn't make any moves coming you know towards the end of that season. They didn't make any more blockbusters. That's where their limit, but they were still a top 10 payroll. And they really were top 10 or just outside of it all the way until 2012. Then they fall out of the top 10 and they sit like in between 12 and 15, 12 and 16. And then the rebuild begins. When the rebuild begins, they finish the next couple of seasons, 26th, 29th, and 25th in Major League Baseball. So when Rick Hahn was saying the money will be spent, we all looked at it as, oh, he was given a pool that would have let him continue to be the 16th highest, but he actually saved that money somewhere in a bank somewhere. And Jerry would give him that money now when it was the time. So we're talking about a hundred million dollars should have been saved during that time period. Easily looking at their payrolls, hundred million dollars should have been just set off to the side because Rick didn't spend it. But in reality, all they've done is they started 2020 with the 17th highest payroll in major league baseball we're still waiting on what the exact number is at the end of the season. It has not been officially reported yet for 2020, according to baseball prospectus. But we haven't even reached the level that was normalcy in terms, in comparison to other teams in the league yet. We haven't even reached the level that we were at before the rebuild, let alone take the supposed like extra money that was off to the side. So now the question is, did the pandemic erase this magical bank that was off to the side or was the magical bank never actually there? And I think that's where the cynicism of White Sox fans is when they hear they can't afford Michael Brantley. So they had to settle for Adam Eaton. That, I think that's right there where it comes from, where people get upset. You're right. If you can't afford Michael Brantley, is it because Michael Brantley is asking for way more money than he should at this point in his career? Or is it just that you're looking at it going, yeah, but there's this Adam Eaton over here that we could get for you know, a lot less. And it kind of does the same things. I mean, it's, it's, it's literally they're appliance shopping and they're looking at the top of the line stuff. That's going to do everything you want it to do. And they're walking down the aisle going, well, if we give up a better batting average and a better on base percentage and a higher OPS, we can get this model, which is almost as good. So Adam Eaton can wash, but he can't wash on heavy duty, you know, something like that. You know, I get muscle aches all the time. I've gone from being able to do whatever I want to and not feeling any pain to basically getting pain for any kind of physical activity. Good news, there's a local family-owned Southside business that provides a CBD topical that will not break the bank. Creaky Bone Balm offers concentrated relief for creaky bones. It is an effective hemp-based CBD in a rejuvenating balm. And guess what? It's made in small batches, always free of preservatives, and all natural ingredients. It's great for muscle aches, tension, inflammation, joint pain. You can even use it for skin ailments like burns, 
and dry cracked skin. Right now, go to creakybone.com and use the promo code BASEMENT. Get 20% off your order. Whether it's physical activity or off-season stress, Creaky Bone's going to help you out. Use that promo code BASEMENT, 20% off your order, right now at creakybone.com. I don't think they're done adding. I think that they've pretty much said that. I mean, Rick Hahn is essentially saying, well, we only have so much to spend, so we have this cap on what we can spend, and I would rather spend it in other areas so there's other moves. Like, they're clearly going to go after Liam Hendricks. That seems to be something that they're trying to do right now. Um, I I actually kind of looked at Hendricks compared to Kalame. There's a difference. I mean, Kalame is a guy who's got a definitely a closer's whip. He sits right around one guy on base every inning. He had a 1.036 in 18, a 1.066 in 19, and last year a 0.940 whip. He doesn't put a lot of guys on. That's what you need out of a closer because he's got can't put guys on if you're going to try to get through that final inning. Hendricks over the last year in this shortened season, so 2019 and then also 2020. In 2019, a 0.965 in a full season is his whip. And in 2020, a 0.671 whip. He's barely putting anybody on. His fielding independent pitching was a 1.14 in 2020 and a 1.87. So he's clearly a higher level of pitcher. Now, Calame has been doing it for a while. And he's also actually had more years where he's proven that this is what he is. But Hendricks over the last couple of years has become a superstar. If the idea is we saved money in right field because we want to have a shutdown closer is going to save 45 games for us, that when we hand it to him at the end of the, of the game, we know that's a win. Like we're bringing out one of the best in the game, so we're going to overspend there. So because of that, because we're in a budget, we're going to, we're going to spend less in other areas. If, if the idea then is to say, okay, we know Andrew Vaughn is going to eventually be our DH, but we don't want to put it on a guy who hasn't been above single A at the beginning of the season. So we need to sign another bat, but we don't want that bat to be like stuck on our payroll for a few years. So this is why, so we have to move some money around. We got to sign another guy. If there's, if there's pieces that still need to be done, if it's going to be Jose Quintana as the four starter, because I still think this team needs another starter. And the idea is we're doing what we're doing in right field because I still have three or four more pieces that I know I need to put into this team to give more consistency and to be there in case somebody gets hurt during the season. I mean, look at Texas. We just got Lynn from Texas. They started off with Kluber, Miner, and Lynn as their big three to start off 2020. That didn't work out. Nope. So it could just as easily not work out for us. So you want you don't want to just rely on three and then like we'll just figure out everything in the back end. So if Han is trying to be pragmatic and there are more pieces to be brought in, And so he's trying to stretch his dollar to the most pieces that are consistent that he at least knows on their worst year, he's going to get X, Y, and Z out of them, then I'm okay with this, all right? I'm not happy that Jerry's not spending all the money, but I'm okay with this. If this is it, I'd be furious, but I think I'm okay with this if there's more to come. Well, there's a difference between being frugal and being shrewd with with moves versus being cheap, right? So... To your point, they bring in Hendricks because Hendricks is, you know, a, a lockdown closer, the likes of which, at least on paper, Colome is not. And there's a there's a valid difference between those two to to jump off on a side tangent here. Hendricks is the classic power pitcher, strike you out. I don't want you touching the baseball. 
type of a closer. You see this? You see this? You see this? It just hit the catcher's glove. Like he's that yeah. guy. Right. Yeah. He, he's the, he's the guy. It's the leg kick and pop. That's it. That's all. You don't even see it. Colome by his own admission is trying to twirl the ball up there and get you to pop out ground out weekly. So he is going to get guys on, you know, he's going to let a guy, you know, squeak one through the infield every now and again, but you're paying for that premium. You're paying for, you know, the, to draw a parallel to 2005, you're paying for the Bobby Jenks. I'm going to blow you away. And you got to pay top dollar for that unless you can find it off the scrap heap in the minor leagues. So, yeah, if they sign Hendricks and that costs them a lengthy, expensive deal, then saving money on Adam Eaton versus Michael Brantley, saving money on the Lance Lynn trade versus trying to throw money at, like, say, Jake Odorizzi or something like that over a course of a couple years makes all the sense in the world. And that's Rick Hahn being a smart GM. If Rick Hahn stops at Adam Eaton and the Lance Lynn deal and says, well, look at how much better we are with a number three starter who's established and a proper major league right fielder. And, and didn't I do a great job? The answer is going to be no, Rick, you didn't do a great job, but I agree with you. They need, they do need another starter. Michael Kopech looks great. Michael Kopech's coming off of Tommy John. I don't even and, think he's, I don't even think he starts in the majors. I think the idea is there's no reason to rush Kopech. I mean, think about it. The guy hasn't thrown a pitch in a game at the major league level in years. And and yes, he has the talent and yes, he can still work out, but I don't think he's even in the rotation to start the season. I, I think the smartest thing you can do as a team is have him come out, do spring training with no pressure to make the team. And then if you need to have him go down in AAA for a month or two and actually work through game situations until they actually count, that's okay because you're giving Cease a next run with a new pitching coach. So it, they need to get another pitcher, first of all, I think. But I'm not concerned about winning the division. I want my team to be good enough to beat the Dodgers in the World Series because that's what really matters. And as, as good as we are right now, are we able to beat the Dodgers? If we suffer an injury to this season, on our, that, to, a, to a piece on this team, can we still pull through and make it to the postseason and get past some of these good teams in the American League Central? Can we get past the teams that are spending money? And let alone the Dodgers, what if the Mets go crazy and show up and beat the Dodgers and we face them in the World Series? What about the Padres that keep getting better? I, I, I'm not worried about beating the Royals. I'm not worried about beating the Tigers. I'm not worried about beating the Indians. I'm not even worried about beating the Twins. I'm not worried about beating 80%, 90% of Major League Baseball. But to be a champion, you have to be able to send out a viable, good high-end pitching staff, a lineup with almost no holes in it, play great defense, get a couple of breaks, and have a shutdown closer when you walk in, and then maybe you win a championship. And that's what we're talking about now, and I think fans are like trying to defend the organization sitting there saying, well, we're good enough. I don't know if we're good enough yet. We saw, we saw two-month sample size. I don't like the idea that because in those two months we saw some positives for the first time in five years, that people just assume we're just going to walk in and sweep the Dodgers in October of 2021. Because it's not going to happen right now with this team the way it's constructed. I don't think so. Socks in the basement listeners, do the hard work. And if you're a hardworking man or woman on the South Side, you need to be outfitted properly. And that's why you should visit Red Wing Shoes in Evergreen Park, New Lenox, and Geneva. A work boots specialty store that carries sizes from 6 to 16 and feet as wide as 4E. A 115-year-old company that came out of Red Wing, Minnesota 
and one of its largest stores in the entire Midwest is in Evergreen Park, Illinois, ever since 1976. When you're on your feet, the footwear is everything. So why not get an expert fitting? They warranty, repair, and offer free conditioning with laces. And they also carry Carhartt work clothing as well. Located at 3347 West 95th Street in Evergreen Park, Illinois, at 208 East Maple Street on Route 30 in New Lenox, or at 1749 South Randall Road in Geneva. Visit them today. You work hard. You've earned it. Red Wing Shoes. Where, where I thought the backlash was, was funny on the Lance Lynn deal in particular were people just absolutely falling in love with a guy like Dane Dunning. Dunning is projected to be a mid-rotation guy. He is not somebody that, on his best day, I would expect to go out and beat the Dodgers. He's a right? four. He's a four. On a team that yeah. goes into the postseason, you're, you're, you're actually contemplating whether or not your ace is going to pitch three times in a seven-game series because you don't want to send Dunning out there in game four. That's, that's what Dane Dunning is. That's his ceiling, in my opinion. And people were losing their minds over the fact that he was leaving. And that's, and that, that's the problem is, is that I, I, a lot of the, the fandom that I'm interacting with are sitting here saying these guys have arrived. They've, they've got Andrew Vaughn as an absolutely perfect example of a major league designated hitter. Vaughn hasn't hit in double A or triple A yet. Vaughn hasn't done anything professionally to, to warrant that kind of trust. And you're talking about going and winning a World Series. Do you want Andrew Vaughn up with two outs, bottom of the ninth, game seven of the World Series? Or do you want George Springer in that situation? Or do you want Michael Brantley in that situation? Or do you want, dare I say, Chris Bryant in that situation? Or Kyle Schwarber in that situation? I mean, there's so many guys that you, you would sit there and say, look, th this guy's out on the market and I would rather have Eddie Rosario right now than Andrew Vaughn because I know what Rosario is on a major league level, not on a college level, not on a low minor league level. And if you're setting your expectations that high, you've got to go with what's established and what's known. You can't fall in love with the prospects to that level. And some of these guys are not going to pan out the way we thought we were. So far, it's been pretty good, but... You know, I, I I think you can look at Nick Madrigal and and tell me tell me if Nick Madrigal is a major league second baseman right now because I can't figure that out based on the small sample size last year. Yeah, it's been working out really good, but there's an awful lot of guys it didn't work out with. We talked with Jordan Lazowski from uh, from Sox on Thirty Fifth about um, about minor league guys a few a few episodes ago, and we were going through like just three years ago what the White Sox top prospects were. There were names on that list that everybody was like going gaga for. Like he'll be up here soon. Blake Rutherford was the fourth highest prospect on his team after Luis Robert, Michael Kopech, and Aloy Jimenez had joined the system. He was fourth after them. So I mean, like the, the idea that sometime that all these guys are going to do well, like the idea that Andrew Vaughn is just going to skip Double A, do two weeks in Triple A, be here by mid-April, and sit in the four spot and hit forty home runs. Stop drinking paint thinner. It, it, this is like he, he yes, he not even the Kool-Aid. It's it's strawberry paint thinner. <laughs> right. is what you're drinking? Well, at that point. it's paint thinner and it's mixed with like you know a Red Bull with a splash of strawberry. Okay, but stop drinking that. It's going to kill you and it's it's killing your brain cells already. The, he could end up being a great player. He could end up being 
the second coming of Frank Thomas at the plate and be a first ballot Hall of Famer. But he is not a linchpin right now on your team, and you need to have a designated hitter you can trust. You need to have, you, there are more pieces you need to go out and get. Even if it's just for the first few months, you need to go get those things. And, and, and we just keep, we keep forgetting that the teams that win not only have stars and they not only have good defense, good pitching, they have depth. When, when, when the Dodgers lose two starters, they got two guys that have been trying to bang on the door to get to the major leagues for three years that finally get their chance. We don't have that. Well, you want, you want a, you want a good example of exactly how the Dodgers outclass the White Sox in that situation? Yeah. Jock Peterson is the guy that has to step in when Cody Bellinger or somebody else goes down. Jock Peterson is a depth piece on the championship Dodgers. We have seen the White Sox talk about him as a key middle-of-the-order bat for them and their starting right fielder if only he can hit lefties. Jock Peterson is a guy that the Dodgers are willing to do without because he's like their fourth or fifth outfielder. He's their backup first baseman. They just give him a lot of at-bats because they rotate these depth guys through to keep him to keep him going. Right? Jack Peterson is the Adam Engel of the Dodgers outfield. That's what he is. So stop telling me that we just have to add this little piece here and this little piece here. Yeah, we can do that and we can win the American League. Uh, we can win the AL Central. We can win the ALCS. We we could find a way to do it. You know what? Ball could bounce the right way. But you want to if if you want to compete with the Dodgers, if you want to if you want to go out there and you want to beat the best of the best, you still have other things you need to add. And wishing that Michael Kopech shows up and by July is this hidden gem that just he's unhittable. And Andrew Vaughn comes up and you just can't stop him. He's just. He's just a hitting machine, and Nick Madrigal finds power. Luis Robert doesn't, uh, you know, he's got to completely figure it out. He goes gangbusters, and 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 he has no slumps. And Aloy Jimenez doesn't run into a wall. Like, he's going to run into a wall. He's going to miss 30 games next year. You can almost pencil him in for two injuries, adding up to 30 games next year. That would it, be wall three, Aloy zero, for right, those keeping you, track. You, you can't just assume your opening day lineup will stay healthy for 162 games and you don't need any of any other pieces and that all the rookies will work out and all the guys in their second year will work out and Mancata will bounce back and everything else. There is great promise with this team. So that's why I sit there and I say, if Rick Hahn is trying to spread his budget out to get a bunch of pieces, cool. If this was it, pitchforks and, and torches. Like that's that's yeah. where I'm at right now. And there are the good news is, is that in in an in an analysis standpoint of where we sit right now as we're talking about this, there are still a lot of good names out there, and there are a lot of guys that he could still go out and get. You know, uh, you could have Jose Quintana manning the fourth spot in your rotation. That I want James be the end Paxson. See, here's the thing: now go out and shock everybody and get James Paxson. He's barely getting yeah. talked about. The Yankees aren't interested. James Nobody Paxson. Is. James Paxson would miss like four or five uh, games this year. And that's when Kopech gets to come up from AAA or Cease gets back in there after Kopech's taken his job. But if, if you have the depth, you keep telling me, with Cease and Kopech and even the, the emergency start of Reynaldo Lopez that we're destined to have to watch at some point this year. Okay. Yeah, if you he, know he's if, coming out of the pen to, to make a spot right, start. Or Jonathan Stever comes up to start a game or something like that. If, if you have that kind of depth and you have a one, two, three, imagine Paxson as your four. 
Because as long as he plays 80% of his starts and he's ready for the postseason, now you scare the Dodgers. Now the Dodgers are like, crap, here come the White Sox. Those are the moves that need to be made at some point when nobody sees it coming. It can't just be what we're doing right now. This hopefully is a base before something else happens. Yeah, and you need to have the ability to, within the season, to have some of these guys come up and fill in. Think back to 2005 and just ask yourself, how many starts did Brandon McCarthy make that year? I, you know, more than, than we probably care to remember in terms of his contribution to the 2005 White Sox, right? Right. And he was a guy that was probably, you know, looked at the same way as we're looking at Cease, maybe not that kind of ceiling, but he was that major league ready guy that was supposed to be maybe be the fourth starter. They almost put him on the 05 playoff roster. Remember, the argument was whether or not it was going to be El Duque or him. Yeah. One of them was getting left off. Imagine if they would have screwed up that decision. Oh, my God. Can you imagine McCarthy coming in in Boston? <laughs> that would have been over. We could have had a completely different memory of 2005 with just that one decision. Yeah, we would have been listening to uh, Chris Berman wistfully talking about the Red Sox reign as champions as though some you yeah. know emperor was finally stepping down. The Red Sox were down two to nothing, but after this inning, I can see them winning this in five. It would have been brutal. And, and yes. now, now that illustrates your point directly. The year you went to the World Series, you had plenty of starters and you had a hot young rookie that could have been your five starter at the beginning of the year. Did you stop there or did you go out and get an El Duque? And then when it came time to figure out how you were going to win in the postseason, which one did you rely on, keep on your playoff roster, and win a World Series with? The veteran who spent some time on the DL. If that doesn't illustrate why they can't be done yet, I don't know what does. If Andrew Vaughn hits his way into the lineup, yes, absolutely, 100%. Put him in the lineup. That's exactly what you want to have happen with your rookies. Have right. him beat some guy who's established. Have him beat a known quantity. So like I said, if that's the plan, lay down the base, and, but you still have to go fix these things, great. I'm telling you, Liam Hendricks gets signed to the show, high fives all around. Because this team continues to improve. With all of his faults, you got a better manager. Your coaching staff behind that manager is better than the coaching staff that you had last year. So you, you fixed all of that. You have a 100%. better team today than you had last year. You have a better team going into the season already. There are vast improvements. But if you have championship aspirations, you cannot be done. That's all I'm saying. Ed, I appreciate you hanging out. Good weekend uh, show. Come back next week and enjoy me. It's nice to finally get to talk with somebody. I like it. I think I'll come back and do this again. You're not in anything weird like pottery or spelunking or Dungeons and Dragons or anything like that that would take you away from a future episode, do you? No, pottery ever since Patrick Swayze died has really been kind of off of my list of things to do. Doing pottery reminds you of Patrick Swayze's death? Well, it reminds me of the movie Ghost. Is that how you do pottery? Uh, shirtless with another person, typically, yeah. <laughs> Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found. And always on SocksInTheBasement.com.